Hello and welcome to the Inspire Your Life podcast series. I am your host, Arthi Wabikrisun, and I am the founder and MD of Prerna Advisory, based in South Africa. My philosophy and that of my business is to inspire others to make step changes that changes their lives purposefully and productively. Therefore, I coach, consult, capital raise and partner with all you crazy, beautiful people in the world to make that happen. Joining me on the show today is Sahar Andrade. Sahar is a diversity, global leadership, and personal transformation speaker and consultant. She has lived, worked, and been educated in seven countries across three continents, and she speaks five languages. She holds a double Bachelor of Medicine and Surgery with a major in Psychiatry from Cairo University. Sahar's accolades are wide-ranging, from being nominated for Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Awards, to being Businesswoman of the Year, to be watched especially, and also being a TED and Sue Talk expert. Add to that being an author, an adjunct professor at USC, and there's just so much more to this woman of substance. Sahar, it really is such a pleasure to have a dynamic person as yourself and a fellow African join us today. Welcome. Thank you so much, Arthi. And I'm really happy to be here with you today. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Oh, no, I I couldn't resist. You know, when, when we connected on the Forbes Coaches Council, I said to myself, well, this is wonderful. Somebody like you with so much to share, with so much of knowledge, it would be an absolute blast to have you on. So thank you for joining today. Thanks, Arthur. Sahar, I'd love for my listeners to get to know you a bit more and of course me too. So tell us a bit more about yourself. So like you mentioned, I grew up in seven seven different countries. My parents, especially my father being a diplomat, Mm -hmm. uh, every few years we move from one country to the other. And uh, I'm not going to hide this, but I actually hated it as I was growing up because it left me with a lot of feelings of not really connecting with people because at the end I would say, you know, I'm leaving anyhow, so why should I connect? I don't want to get hurt. Uh, And I lived most of my childhood that way. Okay. And today I'm so grateful that this is actually the life that I lived. Uh Uh-huh. Because it made me who I am today. Living in seven different countries put me in direct connection with people that came from so many different backgrounds Mm -hmm. that it created that sense of acceptance and not judgment of people and just to accept people for who they are and Mm -hmm. not who I expect them to be. So it was actually a blessing in my life. And then, like you said, I went to medical school. And it wasn't my first choice. I did it because culturally we need to please our parents. Mm -hmm. And that's how the plan that my parents had put for me. And I'm I'm sure you can understand that coming from almost the same background. Uh, Yes, I can. Yes. Right. And Mm -hmm. I went through it and I was miserable. I was just miserable. It's like, I would say it's like, I don't think my whole life will stay like that. Right. But, but I had decided, um, 
in the middle of it, like probably the third, after the third medical year, Mm -hmm. which is the fourth, like because we do pre-med before. Yes. I had decided that this is not my future. This is not my life. I will still finish because I'm not a quitter. Mm -hmm. But I will do something else. And I actually found a summer job working for Pan Am, which which was the biggest airline at the time. Mm -hmm. And I found myself totally into that. And I decided this is what I'm going to do. And this is how my life started. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's incredible. An incredible, incredible journey. And and, and so much has happened since then. So, I mean, what a pivotal choice to have made at that point in time, Sahar. And and that knowledge, that self-awareness that this is not right for me at this stage. Oh, incredible. I want to take you a little bit back, though, to what you mentioned around that lack of connection, though. You know, especially moving around as a child. you know, what must that have been like for you in terms of how you connected with people or didn't connect, as you kind of mentioned? What was that like? Fear. Okay. Fear mm-hmm. of being embarrassed, fear of being ridiculed, mm-hmm. fear of being let down, okay. fear of not being liked, mm-hmm. fear of rejection. I mean, name the fear, and I probably subscribed to it. Wow. To the point okay. where, especially that I was um, a little bit overweight when mm. I'm still are. I mean, I mean, but I was like probably 25 pounds overweight than other girls at my age. Okay. And I was very self-aware of that, if you want to call it. Okay. And um, an incident happened in my life when I was like 10 years old. And I was part of a dancing troupe at school, and I was actually pulled out from that dance troupe right before a big festival, just because they said that I was overweight. Oh, that's awful. That's absolutely awful. It broke my heart, Arthi. And actually, it it kind of shaped my life. There are so many things that shaped my life, but this was one of them also. And at that point, I was so fearful that people would make fun of me because they actually did. Mm. And so my my worst nightmares came true and all what I wanted to be is become invisible and and at that time it didn't really matter um, how much my mom and my dad loved me how I was an A student it didn't matter I Mm -hmm. just wanted to be invisible and and that fear kind of really settled inside of me that all of my actions after that were based on fear and that's why I wouldn't connect with anyone I had that feeling of abandonment because I feared that people would break my heart again. Yes. Oh, but that's that's awful to hear. I mean, like you said, it, there's so many different fears coupling and of course the bullying element that came into it as well Absolutely. as a result of that. So that fearfulness must have really taken such an impact on you emotionally. It did. It did. Mm. And, it, and it kind of controlled my life mm. for a while. Okay. Uh, that's why even I was, I feared to displease my parents. And that's okay. why I went to medical school, though I wasn't really convinced. But mm-hmm. the, the education system uh, was a little bit different. So going to what university, college or university, depends really on your grades. Mm-hmm. And it's your grades that decide. So, of course, medical school accepted the highest grades that you could get. And I always, like I said, I was an A student. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it was automatic for me to go there. And because I was fearful that they, I'm not going to please them or I'm going to disappoint them, I went to medical school. And Mm. 
because of that fear, I felt miserable. And I guess, like I said, in the middle of my third slash fourth year in medical school, that's when I started realizing that I cannot let fear really rule my life anymore. That there is something here. And and I probably, I didn't call it fear. It was just a feeling that I knew how it felt. Yes. But maybe I couldn't name it. Okay. Okay. And I said, it's not going to rule my life anymore. I needed to take control back of my life. And like, and, and for some reason, like you said, I was very self-aware of who I am. Mm-hmm. I guess because of what I went through, mm-hmm. I knew kind of what to expect, what not to expect. Okay. And I knew not to expect too much, but also not being negative. Meaning is just like everything is doom and gloom. I was never a doom and gloom person. Maybe because I'm a Libra, I see a silver lining in everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's wonderful that the mindset was actually quite strong. You know, yes. you looking for that positivity and, and you know, yes. that's probably what also helped you, you know, at that stage, you said at the third or fourth year in, in medical school, where you sort of realize, okay, this is not working for me. This is not productive for me anymore. I need to do something here. So, you know, maybe, maybe help us understand what was, what was that maybe that first thing that you ended up doing as part of your journey now to actually conquering that fear or even as you've said to me previously, you actually made fear your friend. What did you actually yes. do? So in, in, in the, yeah, we were expats at that time when I was in my third, we were expats in one of the Gulf, in, in the Gulf countries. Okay. And I went the summer there. And uh, usually when you go to a Gulf area uh, or a Gulf country, uh, whoever worked there are mostly expats from all over the world. Mm. And in the summertime, they go on, on vacation. So there are a lot of positions that become vacant and they usually use students or they use seasonal employees. So I believe at that time I was probably 17 or 18. I think I was 18. Mm -hmm. And then there was a job that I knew about that was in uh, at Fort Pan Am. And of course, at that time in these countries, a woman could not drive. So and I was really young. So Mm -hmm. I went to my dad that had a diplomatic job, well-known, you know, and I told him, I want to work, I want to work something in the summer. And he said, well, you know what people will say? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. He goes, people will say that I can't afford having you as a daughter. So you have to work. So this is the mentality, right? (laughs) Right, right. And and I said, no, dad, it has nothing to do with that. I just want to learn something new. And and at my surprise, my dad said, okay, let me put it this way. If you can find a job, I'm not going to help you. But if you find a job, I promise you, I will drive you every day back and forth. Mm. So guess what, Arthi? I found mm-hmm. a job the second day. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was the Pan Am, Pan American job. Right. And my dad really held his word. Okay. And he drove me. Every single day. So I worked in Panem for three months in the summer while I was on vacation. And then after that, I had two more years in medical school that, that are 24 months. Right. Like we, you don't take break in the middle. And that was like the end of everything practical. Education system is a little bit different, as you know, overseas. Yes. Yes. So I actually went back, finished it. And then mm-hmm. that's when I decided that I want to go somewhere where I can actually be myself, mm-hmm. where I don't have to try to please everyone at my own detriment. And that's when I decided to uh, come to the States, to the United States. Mm -hmm. And I actually flew to the United States 
by myself. I didn't know a soul in the whole continent right. of the Americas. And I had one suitcase that basically was the summary of my whole life. What a story, Sahar. I mean, first of all, I must say such support from your dad. I mean, that's yeah, incredible. He was a great man. You know, that's incredible, especially given, like you said, you know, the culture, the tradition that yes. you're growing up in, the acknowledgement that there's going to be some sort of a backlash in terms of the societal sort of yes. norms that you're breaking here. I mean, that's phenomenal. And and I suppose there were also other support structures at play as well that that helped you but I mean that taking that leap and going you know going to the states on your own that's incredible that's incredible scary but incredible as well so wonderful that you were actually able to push those boundaries of it yes I guess since I was really young I always pushed boundaries and I never really looked at it that way at Mm. that time I was just I guess it was the beginning of my conviction that what that I should always execute what I think and then adjust it as I go rather than waste my whole life thinking about what I want to do without really doing it. Right. And that's important. That's important. And, and, you know, it's obviously a journey as well, Sahar. I mean, these things don't, you don't conquer them overnight. You know, it's a process. And, and, you know, I'm obviously curious. Do you, do you still struggle with some of these fears, even though you've accomplished so much already? And if you do, how, how do you manage or how do you control that when it comes up? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, I think we are all work in progress. Yeah, absolutely. I have to agree um, with that. Yeah. As you know, being fearless never means that you don't have fear. But mm-hmm. being fearless is basically have the courage to act despite of fear. Yes. Yes. is to push these boundaries that can hold us back. Mm-hmm. So till today, believe it or not, Arthi, I mean, I, I have done probably thousands of public speaking sessions in yes. conferences, I mean, in Sutok, like you said, and, and it just like being a, a, a workshop facilitator, being yes. a trainer, being a consultant. But every single time, right before I get on that stage, I have these butterflies in my stomach. Yes, yes. You know, and my husband always tells me this. He goes like, as long as you have this, you will always excel. Mm. Because mm. this is what keeps you on your toes rather to be, than becoming complacent right. and just take things for granted. Absolutely. I mean, it's like you said, you've made fear your friend. It's something that you're working with and not working against you. So I would love to hear, how how does one actually go about doing that? How do you make fear a friend of yours? So, you know, this is, this is like, it sounds like, uh, I, I, I promise, I think that this podcast is like serendipity, you know? So my whole life, I would say, not my whole life. I mean, after I, I came to learn that I have fear and how to, and I could not let it control my life. I'm, yeah. I'm very, um, I'm a woman that does not like to be checked in a box. Yes. And I'm a woman that I have boundaries, healthy boundaries mm-hmm. between me and myself and I, (laughs) and between others and in my work, in my family, in my marriage, everything, I believe that healthy boundaries build healthy relationships. So I wanted to have a healthy boundary with fear. So I started, you know, because of my medical background and I actually majored in psychiatry, Mm -hmm. 
I I kind of adopted, though I didn't know this is what it was called then, some principles that are part of a CBT or cognitive behavior therapy mm-hmm. that I would look sometimes at in a situation and I feel like my stomach is turning from fear. I mean, to that point where sometimes I would feel I'm sweating mm-hmm. and I would say, okay, what is the worst case scenario that can happen? And I would take myself there as if it's happening now. Mm-hmm. And then mentally, I would prepare myself. And I would say that whatever happens between what I'm prepared for and the worst case scenario is actually a win. So it's positive. Okay. And I became grateful. So I just learned this week. That's why I was, I was, I was saying that it's like it was meant to be that we have the podcast at okay. this time. Yeah. It's actually called negative visualization. Oh, interesting. And negative visualization means that you are not attached to that event emotionally, but mentally you kind of go through it so you can keep yourself on the positive side and be grateful. And Mm. actually, this gave me the idea that this is going to probably be my next article on Forbes. Mm, You know, how you you can use negative visualization for positive outcomes. Absolutely. I mean, and and that's, I mean, as coaches, we understand, you know, when people are, when people are feeling doubt and fear and all of these negative emotions, uh, sorry, negative sort of um, ways and behaviors, it's because there's these powerful emotions, you know, from things of the past that are bringing it into the present. So the yes. fact that you're talking about a way to actually still have a memory, but but remove that negative emotion to it, that's phenomenal. And that would be so helpful. And, and, and as you know, Arthur, we are our seven years old. Mm. Uh, we are whatever patterns that were downloaded in our brain from the people around us of course our parents school teachers you know what what was your first school teacher told you did they tell you you're not good enough did they tell you you will never achieve Mm -hmm. anything Mm -hmm. did they tell you you were brilliant you can conquer the world and this is are the triggers that stay with us for the rest of our life. And I find it fascinating that till today, <laughs> I'm still discovering trigger, triggers mm. in my life, mm. which now we know is a huge part of emotional intelligence. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, for one, am going to be looking out for that piece and Forbes and making sure that we're actually going to be talking about it, even in, you know, sessions with our coaches and things like that, because it's an important part to be able to change that narrative around fear and, yes. and put it in such a productive way. I mean, it's a game changer for people. Absolutely. Will be. Yes. And, and my first article, actually, I just joined Forbes uh, Coach Council uh, in May, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my first article already has been published. Uh, plus, I made a few contributions and few, uh, yes, and few articles. But my, my own was how healthy, uh, how to maintain or how to set healthy boundaries. I believe in that so much. Yes. Well, I mean, fantastic, phenomenal. And keep going with with that sort of content because there's a a beautiful readership. And obviously people are looking for these types of things. Everyone's grappling with this in this COVID period, work from home. You know, things are starting to boil over. So, yeah, absolutely. Keep on with it. 
What else is in store for you for the rest of 2021, Sahar, even though you're doing so much already? (laughs) (laughs) I'm a very spiritual person. So I always look for messages from the universe. Mm -hmm. And I... My, my birthday is actually October 18th, and I decided that I'm releasing a new program for uh, personal growth for women, just, oh, beautiful. just tailored to women yes. on October 15th, oh, beautiful. which is astrologically is one of the highest day that business can flourish. You know, mm. so and and like I told you, I'm I'm very spiritual. I believe in in universe and signals and signs. And yes, I believe that there is a reason for everything that happens. I mean, uh, I look at everything that everything happens for a good reason, even when we can't see it at the time. Mm. It becomes clear later on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I live through that even in the worst and darkest moments of my life. It helped me make sense of things that happened mm-hmm. and it helped me keep faith and it helped me understand and look for the lesson that mm-hmm. I'm about to learn from whatever is happening, including the loss of my parents, uh, uh, being um, uh, basically homeless after the earthquake here that happened in the nineties in, in Los Angeles, the Northridge mm-hmm. uh, earthquake. So I still maintained faith and some kind of positivity because I did not bury myself in the fear of loss, but I was more into what is the lesson I'm learning here. Right, right. Oh, that's that's beautiful. And and I wish you everything of the best with that with that launch with that program. I'm sure it's going to be phenom- phenomenal, um, Sahar. Thank you, Arthur. I'd love it if you could share with us. Um, uh, what would be your key piece of advice that you'd want to let the listeners know, especially for, for us who are grappling with fears, how to overcome it, um, and basically how do we unlock that potential that's that's being held by that fear? Yes. I want everyone to know, whoever is listening to this, that fear is part of who we are. Doubts are part of who we are. Mm-hmm. Imposter syndrome are part is part of who we are. Mm-hmm. We can actually reverse the equation. Like sometimes people tell you the glass is half full and some people tell you the glass is half empty. But if we are looking to it to see, like I said, what we call the negative visualization, we can actually say, but the glass, even if the glass is half empty, it means that I have half of it to fill it. Mm -hmm. So even changing that negative narrative to positive and gratitude. Gratitude is the doorway to abundance. Gratitude changes the way our hormones and chemicals are secreted in our brain. It takes away the cortisol that is the stress hormone. Mm -hmm. And it it actually gives us what we call the happy hormones, Mm -hmm. like the oxytocin, the serotonin, the Mm -hmm. dopamine, you know, and, and we get, and we can change our attitudes in seconds by power poses, by just looking in a mirror and fake a smile, just like try to make yourself smile in front of a mirror. Just by doing that, your muscles will send a signal to the neurons that are in your facial nerve that will send a signal to the brain that I'm happy, give me more happy hormones. And it becomes a cycle that your brain likes and will keep repeating if you let it. 
Absolutely. So it my, becomes addictive. Yeah. It becomes an addiction. Yes. Yeah. Which like, hey, what better than being addicted to be grateful? Yes. My biggest advice is there is no perfection in life and there is no com- someone that is complete in life. Mm-hmm. I came to embrace my imperfections more than my perfections because I don't believe in perfections. Mm. I accept myself inside out. And that's what I help women do to embrace who we are because all our emotions are valid. Right. All of them, the good, the bad, and the ugly, they mm. are valid. When we sweep them under a rug, they come back to hunt us. And that's why we need to embrace these emotions. We need to claim them. We need to name them and then reinvent them Mm. so they can become our friend. Embrace, claim, name, name, and and reinvent. And reinvent. I love it. Yes. Absolutely love it. Oh, Sahar, it's been such a beautiful conversation with you. I'd love it if you could share an inspirational quote, a lyric or a spiritual verse, something that actually uplifts you and makes you do more of what you do. Sure. So I would share a principle that I live with in my life, and then I will share my best quote ever in the world. Okay. So a principle that I live in my life is accept people for who they are and not who I want them to be, including Mm -hmm. myself. Okay. The second, the quote that I live with is a Gandhi quote that says, be the change that you want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. Meaning that our vision, need our, our why, need to be something that we can actually see, that we can bring to the world, that we cannot ask someone else something that we are not doing ourselves. We cannot preach something mm-hmm. that we don't do. So I need first to become the change that I want to see in the world. And then I can ask others to follow the same. Absolutely. Powerful words. Sahar, thank you so much for joining me on the show today with these wonderful words of wisdom and advice for the listeners and myself too. Thank you so much. Thank you, RC. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. You take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode today. If you like what you heard, rate the episode and podcast and feel free to write a review. Plus, of course, share with others too. I love talking around topics like these. So if you like my perspective or insight on a subject close to your heart or something that you're grappling with, reach out to me in your comments or send me an email via my website or connect with me via LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook. All my social media are on the podcast information. If it's important to you, then it's important to me. So happy listening to the Inspire Your Life podcast and catch you soon on the next episode. Bye.